Would you turn your, to your Bibles to uh, Matt, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 4. Are you there? Okay, I'm going to begin reading out of verse 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Verse 36 says, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was hindered part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love this passage of scripture because when I look at the situation here, we have Jesus who planned a trip to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, invited his disciples to come on a ship, and they all get on the boat and they're all on their way to the other side until they run into a storm. And of course, that's when all the drama occurs. Because here, during the storm, you have a group of people with different reactions. You have one group of people, the disciples, who reacted with fear and with panic. Then you had another group of people, actually one person, who reacted a little bit differently. As a matter of fact, he didn't react at all. He was asleep on a pillow. Which tells me that he's quite comfortable. And you can learn so much when we read this and look at Jesus' response during the time of storm. And I like to liken this storm as our own personal storms of life. You know, Jesus said in in John 16, verse 33, that in this world, not in any other world, but this world, we shall have tribulation. And that word tribulation in the Greek, refers to pressure that comes from the trials of life. Pressures such as um, financial and physical need, sickness, loneliness, mistreatment, persecution, and on and on and on. Jesus himself says in Mark chapter 4 and verse 17 that affliction and persecution come for the word's sake. He even said in John 15 and verse 20 that if the world persecute me, the world will persecute you. So persecution, affliction, tribulation is a fact of life. This is what every believer, every person deal with. And when we talk about the pressures of life, sometimes it can be so overwhelming It can be so consuming that it can cause a person to commit suicide. 
can cause a person to have a mental breakdown, depression. It can cause a person to become addicted, cause marital problems. It can even cause a believer to fall away. So when we talk about the pressures of life, this is something everyone deals with. It's the reality. But in this passage of scripture, I want to show you that there are four things that Jesus provides us that will help us to deal with these issues of life, to deal with the pressures of life, to to face them and to get through them quietly, peacefully, restfully, and victoriously. Amen. One of the first things that Jesus provides as we look into the scriptures here is that he provides us with his presence. Notice in, uh, in, in Mark chapter 4 and in verse 35, he says, let us pass over unto the other side. It's interesting. We all know that Jesus is God in the flesh, right? So if he's God, that means he has all of the attributes of God, all of his characteristics, all of his nature. You know, he's powerful, he's almighty. He even has the ability to know all things. He knows the hearts of men. He knows the thoughts of men, their intentions, their motives. He even knows their future. We see that example when Jesus told Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And it came to pass. So we know that Jesus has the ability to know all things. But what I find interesting here is that Jesus plans a trip and he must have known that a storm was coming. And he must have known the severity and the danger of this storm. Yet he still planned a trip. And he said, let's go over to the other side. Now we can uh, speculate as to why Jesus never told his disciples, never even uttered a warning, never even gave them a list of safety tips on what to do. (laughs) He just says, let's go over to the other side. And then he got in the boat and he slept. And, you know, we can learn something by taking Jesus example, because I know that when we've face the pressures of life, and we've all been there, we've all gone through that, it's not quite easy to sleep when you know you're going through stuff. All right? I mean, come on. I mean, let's be real. But yet, Jesus sets an example here. Because, I, you know, again, I believe that Jesus never said anything to them because he wanted to test their faith. But I think also, the reason why he never said anything to them, because I don't believe he thought it was an issue. Amen. And you know, I mean, when we talk about problems, it's not a problem for Jesus. But yet he was sleeping peacefully, comfortably, even in the midst of all that commotion. And keep in mind that these disciples, some of them were expert seamen. This is what they did for a living. It was their livelihood. They knew the ocean. They knew the sea. They knew the waters. They've even been through many of the storms. And when the storm hit, this one in particular was a lot different than any storm they've ever been through. How many of you have ever been in a storm of your life 
That was worse than any other storm that you've ever been through. Right? And you know, the natural and the average person would react in the same way that the disciples act. Fear, panic, hysterical. But Jesus had one thing in mind. Let's go to the other side. And while he was... And how many of you go on long trips... You're driving, and how many of you are sleepers in the long trips? I mean, you got the driver, and then you got your sleeper. <laughs> how many of you are sleepers here tonight? <laughs> well, for you to sleep on a long trip, you must have a confidence in the driver. But apparently, the disciples did not have confidence in Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you look in chapter 4 once again, let me go there myself. Jesus had just finished teaching a lesson on the parable of the sower sowing the seed. And one particular message here. He says, these likewise in verse 16, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time afterward when what? Affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, they had just finished listening to this message. Apparently, they didn't get it. Because again, when you, face, when you find yourself in a very desperate situation, such as the disciples, and keep in mind, this is a real storm. A real life-threatening storm. Their life was in danger. Water was going into the boat and filling up the boat. And you know what happens when the boat's filled with water? You know what I mean? When you was a kid, when I was a kid, I used to have a boat and play with it and everything else. And uh, taking a bath. And then when I filled it up with water, it sank. And that's what was happening. And here's what I want you to see here. Expert seamen, when they're in a storm, there are certain things they have to do to keep that boat operational. Now, I'm not a seaman. I don't know anything about boats. But these men knew. And they did everything possible with, based on their experiences, based on their instinct, based on their knowledge and their abilities as seamen. And they still could not stop the boat from sinking. How many of you have ever used up all of your efforts, all of your abilities, all of your strength, all of your wealth, all of your influence, and still, nothing's changed. Well, there's something about the presence of God in our lives that helps bring some peace and assurance in facing any situation that may come our way. And so we see here that the presence of God is one way that God provides us when we're facing situations because one of the things that I love about God is that when we're facing a situation, we're not doing it alone. And I want you to remind, remember that. You're not facing these pressures of life by yourself. But the presence of God is with you. I love what Matthew 28, 20 says. Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Another translation says it this way. The message translation says, and I will be with you day after day after day until the end. 
And so when we find ourselves dealing with certain pressures in life and it, and it becomes overwhelming, understand that the presence of God is with you. And you're not facing those issues by yourself. In the same way that the disciples were not facing their problem by themselves. Jesus was there. And it's, and it's funny too because there are some people who, who step out in faith and nothing phases them. And then sometimes it drives people crazy. So how come you're not concerned? How come you're not worried? Why aren't you going crazy? And they'll say, well, because I know the Lord's going to take care of it. And it may seem as though they're indifferent and like they don't care. And that's what the disciples thought. Because Jesus was sleeping. But what they didn't realize was that Jesus was not concerned. And how many the Bible tells us not to be anxious for anything, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving making all our requests made known to God. So God does not expect us to panic, does not expect us to be fearful or be overly concerned about the pressures of life, but rather to face them knowing that you're not facing them alone, but with the presence of God. Let me give you another verse. Go with me to Psalm 23. One of my favorite Psalms. Psalm 23. Verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, some translation says the shadow of darkness, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Glory to God. How many of you have found yourself in the shadow of darkness? In that darkness, Christ is with us. And he's leading us. He's comforting us even through that difficult time. Go with me quickly to Isaiah chapter 43. I love this one. Isaiah chapter 43. You know, when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, knowing that the storm was coming, knowing the severity of the storm, yet he was willing to go with them and face the problem together. Look what Isaiah 43 verse 2 says. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall what? Not overflow thee. And while thou walkest through the fire, what happens? Thou shalt not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. When the presence of God is with you in any situation, and again, this is what I love about the Lord. That when we're facing these situations, he's with us along with his power and as well as his authority to help face those situations in our lives. And what happens to us is that when we are facing those situations, and again, they're real, we forget that the Lord is with us. And we start thinking that, well, what happens is we start thinking the worst. We start imagining things. I remember when Pastor John shared a story about 
uh, going to the doctors and he was waiting for results. And in his mind, he was already thinking the worst when it was really nothing. And, you know, our minds can play tricks on us if we're not careful. But when we renew our minds and realize that the presence of God is with us always, no matter what we face, and according to Isaiah 43, too, no matter how high the river is, we're not going to drown. But he's going to keep our head above water and get us through it. Amen. The second thing that Christ provides us in the midst of storms of our lives is a promise of rest, even in the midst of tremendous pressure. Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. And we see that example with Jesus again sleeping. You know, I I should just title this message, Sleep Like Jesus. Uh, that's a pretty good subject. I mean, it's a good title. Sleeping like Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Look what Jesus says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Let me read that to you from the Amplified Version. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, And I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Glory to God. When we're facing pressures, God provides us with his presence. And he also provides us with rest. How many of you know that when you're facing difficult times, you can use some rest? Amen. In Exodus chapter 33, when Moses was speaking to God and praying to God, God responds this way. My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Glory to God. When we come to him, we must come to him in faith. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. Amen. It's, it's a wonderful thing to know that we don't have to be overly concerned about life. When we know that God provides us rest. When we know we can kick up our feet and relax. Knowing that God is with us. Knowing that we're going to get through this. And we're going to get to the other side of that problem. And looking back and testifying of what we went through and what God has brought us through. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because that testimony will bring rest to others. Let's look at some other verses here. Go to Psalm chapter 3. Hope you don't mind going through the scriptures. I mean, I don't know what else to do. So we might as well look into the word. God provides us with his presence and he provides us with rest in the midst of a pressured situation. Psalm chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and what? Slept. And I awaked for the Lord sustained me. 
I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Let me read that to you from the message translation. With all my might I shout up to God. His answers thunder from the holy mountain. I stretch myself out. I sleep. Then I'm up again, rested, tall and steady, fearless before the enemy mobs coming at me from all sides. There's something to be said about resting in the Lord that brings strength, steadiness, and sleep. You know, there are times... Uh, there was a time when I was worrying. Uh, I was going through something. And all I could do was think about it. And I couldn't sleep. I would toss and turn. And I could not sleep. And I could not believe that something like this had kept me up all night. Only to find out the next day that it was okay. It was okay. Don't you hate that when you lose sleep for nothing? <laughs> but there's something about God who provides rest you see, it's just it's, it's very simple. When we know He's present with us, it does provide us with assurance. Knowing that everything's going to be okay. Knowing that we're not going to face this situation by ourselves. So that is what provides us rest. Because we're leaning on Him. That's why when Jesus was with Him, He knew He had to be there for the disciples. Because He knew that without Him, they can't do anything. But with Him, they can do all things. Amen. Let's look at another verse of scripture. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. While you're turning there, let me read you another verse. Psalms 127 verse 2 says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Beginning in verse 24. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be your confidence, and shall keep your foot from being taken. Hallelujah. Let me read that from the message translation. You'll take afternoon naps without worry. How many of you like your naps? Well, the Bible says you can take your afternoon nap and without a worry. It says you'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or even predictions that doomsday just around the corner. Because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe and sound. Doesn't that make you want to rest? Does that make you want to have a good night's sleep to know that everything's going to be okay? Yes. yes. So the Lord provides us with his presence and he provides us with rest. The third thing that he provides us with is peace and quietness in the midst of pressure. Go to Mark chapter, no I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 26. I know a person, a young lady, who, a nice person, uh, with a good heart, means well, but is always in a mess. 
always in disarray, always in a confusion. She can never know what's whether she's coming or she's going. And she's so worried about everything. And she'll be up all night cleaning because she was afraid. And this continues on and on and on. And she's been in a hospital because of it. She's been to a mental ward. All because of fear and worry. So she loses sleep. She's not at rest. She's definitely not at peace. And she's never still. But she's always worrying about the littlest thing. And my friends, I don't believe that's what God called us to be like on this earth. But I believe that God calls us to be a people of peace. A people who don't get rattled when we're faced with pressure. But to be able to stand knowing that the presence of God is there. With all the confidence in the world. Knowing that we're going to face this issue. And this issue is not going to overtake us or overcome us. But we are going to overcome it. That's what he meant for us to do. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. He provides us with perfect peace because our minds, our heart, our attention, our focus is on him. What happens, and it can be a very subtle thing. You know, I believe, you know, the Bible tells us that Satan comes to, or I should say the thief, but we know it's Satan, comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And you know, I I stop and think about that. If Satan physically killed me, he'd actually be doing me a favor. Right? Because the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So he'd actually be doing me a favor. But you know how he can really devastate me? If he kills my faith. If he destroys my focus. If he steals my time away from God. Or away from, from the word. That is what I believe Satan is out to do. To steal the time that you spend. You know, if you spend your time worrying, he's done his job. Because when you're worried, you've taken your eyes off the solution and you're focusing on the problem and know you know what happens when you focus on a problem the problem becomes bigger in your mind it becomes bigger and so I believe that's what Satan comes to do to steal your time steal your faith steal your trust cause you to mistrust cause you to blame God cause you cause you to point your finger at God and say you know you did this And if he's done that, then he's done his job. Go to John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. In the midst of pressure, Jesus provides us with his presence. He provides us with rest. And he provides us with peace and quietness in the midst of tremendous pressure or storms in our lives. John chapter 16 verse 32 says, Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, and you shall be scattered every man to his own. Listen to this. And shall leave me alone. This is Jesus speaking. 
And yet, I am not alone. Because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you so that you might have peace. Because I believe there are times when you're going to feel like you're alone. But you're not. Because the Lord is with you. And so we can see Jesus' example. He knew that there was going to be a time he was going to face a tremendous pressure in his life. And he knew that disciples were just going to leave him and he'd be the only man standing. But I love his attitude. But I'm not alone. The Lord is with me. And I'm going to face this with him. And we're going to do this together. And how many of you know he got through it? Amen. Hallelujah. That's what he wants for us. He said, in this world, I says, these things I have spoken to you that you might have peace. In this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And that's the fourth thing that he provides us with. He provides us with his presence. He provides us with rest. He provides us with peace and quietness. And then he provides us with the ability to overcome those pressures of life. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is probably one of the greatest examples besides Jesus of God's sustaining power in the midst of his afflictions. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul was a man who knew something about afflictions. He knew something about persecution because that was his life. And look at what he says. And I love his attitude. This is the attitude that we need to develop. In verse 8 he says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. You can add uh, some things to it as well. Unemployed, but not discouraged. Sick, but comforted. You can just fill in the blanks. If we have this attitude, we can conquer anything. If we have this attitude, We can overcome anything. No problem is too big for God. And we need to believe that. It's one thing to know it. It's a completely, entirely different thing to believe it with all your heart. There are times when, as I mentioned with the disciples who did everything they possibly could to try to keep that boat afloat. Using all of their experience and all of their abilities and all of all of their training, all of their semen ability, and it was still not working. And, um, and I know I've been in situations where I've been, where I faced issues in my life where I did everything I can possibly do to try to change the situation and it just wasn't working. You know, when you reach, when you get to that place, it's very easy to feel a sense of hopelessness. It's very easy to say, I give up, I quit, I can't do this anymore. That's when the pressures of life become so insurmountable and so overwhelming that it's almost like drowning you. It's overtaking you. 
And that's where it leads to suicide. That's what leads to some serious problems. But listen to what the Bible says. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 20. Let's go there. Hallelujah. By the time I finish this message, you should all have some tools to help you face whatever pressure you're facing or whatever pressure you're going to face. Keep in mind that Jesus knows the storms that are coming in our lives. But he goes it with us. It's not like he just abandons us and says, you're on your own. No, he gets on the boat with us and he faces it with us. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 says, When thou goest out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and a people more than you, be not afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Look at that verse. He's saying when you find something, when you face Something that is far greater, far bigger than you. He says, don't be afraid. I am with you. I'm going to face this problem with you. I'm going to stand by your side. I'm going to get this through together. That is so reassuring to know that the presence of God will go with you no matter where you are. No matter what valley you might find yourself in. He's willing to go with you, face the music, and then get you through it. I say, don't get you through it. Let's go on. Go to Isaiah chapter 41. God will provide a way in the midst of impossibilities. Isaiah 41 verse 17. Are you there? Isaiah 41 beginning verse 17 says, When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, What do you do? And their tongue fails for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. But instead, in verse 18, he says, I will open rivers in high places. And fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. And I will make jobs where there is no jobs. I will create finances where there is no finances. I will bring healing where there is no healing. I will call those things which be not as though they were. Amen. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying here. I will make a way where there is no way. If you're thirsty and there's no water, I will create water for you. I will make a river in a desert. I will cause trees to grow in the wilderness. God can do anything. He can create things where there are nothing there. That's what I love about God. That's why it's, it's okay to face the pressure rather than running away. Face up to it. You're not alone. And if you lack strength, He will provide you that strength. He said His grace is sufficient for you. I don't know what you're going through tonight. But I want to encourage you that the presence of God is with you. And you can rest in Him. And you can be still 
and be quiet and be at peace and sleep well at night. Because he's give, he gives your sleep to be sweet. He makes your sleep sweet. That means you don't have to go to bed thinking about your problems. I like what my wife says. says, don't worry about tomorrow. God's there. Think about that. God's there. He's got your back. And then, when you're going through the issues of life, the everyday circumstances of life, things that you have no control over, things that occur to everyone, things that create pressures, things that causes anxiety and worry, things that can cause stress, things that can affect you physically and mentally. Knowing these things that God provides us with His presence to face those issues, knowing that He provides rest and assurance, knowing that He also provides peace and quietness and causes you to sleep peacefully, knowing that He also provides you the ability to overcome those problems. When we look in the the disciples and having been in the storm, the story doesn't end there. But Jesus gets up, speaks to the storm, commands it to stop, bringing a calm and peaceful waters. And then in chapter 5 of Mark, verse 1, it says, And they came to the other side. When we look at Joseph's life and we see all of the things that he had been through, being thrown in the well, a place that he did not want to be in, a place he had no control over, but he found himself there. Then he was taken away, sold into slavery, and brought to Egypt, a place he didn't want to be, but a place he had no control over, a situation that was out of his hands. Then he found himself in a place where the Potiphar's wife was after him and seducing him. Very dangerous place. Didn't want to be there. But he had no control. And he finally got away from that. Only to be accused falsely and then thrown in jail. Did you think he wanted to be there? But the story doesn't end there. Because the rest of the story goes, he became the second most powerful Man in Egypt. And God used him not only to save his family's life, but to preserve a nation. So when you look at Joseph, and I always refer to Joseph every time because it's so relevant today. That when we find ourselves in situations that we have no control over, in places that we don't want to be in. Remind ourselves. This is not the end of the story. I have his presence. He gives me rest. He gives me peace and quietness. And he gives me the ability to overcome. And sooner or later, I'm going to get to the other side. And I'm going to rejoice and triumph. Hallelujah. Let me close with this last verse. Psalm 41, verse 11. You don't have to turn there, but it says this. By this I know that your favor and delight in me because my enemy does not triumph over me. One last verse. Psalm 47, verse 1 says, Oh, clap your hands, 
All you people, shout unto God with the what? The voice of triumph. And then one last verse. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumph, as trophies of Christ's victory, and through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the spirit of peace, the spirit of comfort, the spirit of quietness. Thank you, Father God, that in the midst of our pressure, the midst of difficulties, in the midst of all that we face, thank you for your presence. Thank you for giving us the ability, by your grace, to overcome all these things. Father, we thank you for the love that you bestowed upon us. Thank you so much that we can rest and be at peace. Nothing will shake us. Nothing will move us. No matter how bad the news may be. No matter how difficult the situation may be. No matter if we're unemployed. No matter if we're short on our finances. No matter if the bill collectors are knocking on our door. Father God, we're going to rest in you. And we're going to stay peaceful and quiet. And we're going to sleep peacefully at night. Because your presence is with us. And we're not alone. And we will overcome. And you will get us to the other side. Father, we thank you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for causing us to triumph in all these things. Father, I pray that you encourage your people tonight. I pray that to receive your word and your instructions. And Father, when they leave here, that they'll know that they're not alone. And so, Father, we thank you for bringing hope where there is no hope. Thank you, Father God, for bringing joy where there's no joy. And thank you, Lord, for replenishing them with peace where there's no peace. And for this I thank you. And I give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.